So I want you to know that's what it's like to be at the bottom of the crap pile through no fault of our own for many of us. Is it on? Look, I'm going to uh, shirt front, Mr Putin. I will not be lectured about sexism and misogyny by this man. I will not. No, wait, it, it is on? Uh, you bet you are. Uh, you bet I am. I don't like it. Oh, fair shake of the sauce bottle, mate. Well, may we say God save the Queen. Because nothing will save the Governor-General. Hello and welcome to episode four of Is It On? BuzzFeed Australia's political podcast coming to you from the corridors of power in Parliament House. My name is Alice Workman. Sitting opposite me once again, Mark Stefano. It's so good to be here. We've had a bit of a break. <laughs> we have been away for a while. Mm. We, I think we've confused a bunch of people about when but we're back. this podcast is coming back. Yeah, but we're back now and there'll be another episode next week. There so we're going back to back. This week. Yeah. And I tell you what, Mark, we have a cracker of a show this week. Yeah, I'm really excited. You sat down for a long chat with one of the most powerful people in Parliament at the moment, Jackie Lambie. That's right. Crossbencher extraordinaire, Tasmanian independent Senator Jackie Lambie. We had a really, really interesting chat about uh, her previous life, um, having to be a single mother on welfare. She delivered an absolute belter of a speech this week, and she also uh, opened up about her anti-Islam views that really do put a lot of people off, and I think it was a really good chance to dig under the hood a little bit. Mm. And have a look at what she's what she's really about. And what a lot of people might not know is also she has this very serious back injury. She does. Where she gets Botox injections in her back. Yeah, we won't give it all away now, but she is somebody who has to get regular needles in her back just so she can walk and stand straight. And I think that people will really like some of the stuff she had to say about Malcolm Turnbull as well. Yep. But we're not going to give it all away now. Um, also this week... Gallery Whispers it's back. is back it's by back. popular demand. People love it. Mm, did they though? I don't know. Everyone <laughs> I've spoken to has commented on it. So it might well be the most polarizing segment well, that we've ever done. A politician went out of their way to tell me they thought it was very creepy. <laughs> but you've got such a lovely whisper. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they were more disturbed by the content than the actual ASMR. We've got some more disturbing content this week. Oh, and also I tell you what. The spiciness of bin juice this week. It's it's out of control. Yeah. But the biggest news story this week was 18C. My changes God, Alice. changes to 18C. Mark, 18C. walk us through 18C. 18C is a subsection of the Racial Discrimination Act. These changes been cooked up the last couple of weeks. And Malcolm Turnbull took the changes to the Coalition Party Room on Tuesday, which just so happened to be Harmony Day. Yes. So he was calling for uh, watering down of the Racial Discrimination Act on the same day that it was the International Day for the Elimination of Racial Discrimination. Like, it's did like, they think of that through? Yeah, it's like it's <laughs> like, like a plot point of a working beef. dog production. Or V. <laughs> exactly. Like a thing exactly. Out of beef. But the oh. important part of the changes to remember, there's two separate parts. The first one, which is the unpopular part, mm. which is taking three words out of 18C and inserting one in which would mean that it would then become legal to racially offend, insult, or humiliate, but it would then become illegal to racially intimidate and harass. Right. So that's the unpopular part of the changes. The second part of the changes is reforming the Human Rights Commission. Now, currently, 
at the moment, if you are racially offended or insulted, you can make a complaint under 18C straight to the Human Rights Commission. Gillian Triggs has to then investigate it and will then make a recommendation of what then happens next. Now, the changes that are being proposed to the party room about the Human Rights Commission are broadly supported. Gillian Triggs herself has said, you know what, I actually don't want to have to investigate every single one of these complaints that come forward. So there's going to be a reasonable person's test that gets put forward, a pub test that allows her to just be like, boom, I'm going to throw this complaint into the bin. It doesn't even get considered. Now, you had a pretty fiery exchange with the Prime Minister uh, Malcolm Turnbull at a press conference. It was this in a childcare centre on some AstroTurf, and this is what happened. Had, but on backflip, you backflipped on 18C. You you changed your mind on 18C. Don't you agree that this is what politicians do? They change well, that, their position. That, the the again, I don't I don't accept that proposition at all. You said there, five you said five times before the election that you wouldn't change 18C, and now you're pushing through changes. What we said before the election was that we did not have any plans to change ABC, and that was absolutely true. So again, as a guardian of the truth, you should be more careful with the language you attribute to me. So is it a backflip? No, technically Malcolm Turnbull is correct, and calling us a guardian of the truth while passive-aggressive is technically correct because he has always said he's had no plans to change 18C, he then created some plans and is now changing them. Yeah, so it's like how I have no plans to get drunk on Friday night, but I'm going to get drunk on Friday night. That's right. <laughs> tricky you wordplay. Tricky, weasley words. So why is he doing it now? Like, is he capitulating to the people in the right of the party? Is this a George Christensen, like, appeasement moved? Why are they doing this? Why did they do this on World Harmony Day? Yeah, classic. Cartoonist Bill Leake died recently. Now, that was one uh, uh, factor that would definitely have gone into it. The second reason... Because he he had a complaint made against one of his cartoons. Correct. The second one is the QUT case. It's a famous case involving some students on Facebook up in Queensland that was thrown out of court. Um, And then the third case, and I think that probably is the the main one, is that they want some clear air before the budget. This is the last couple of sitting weeks before the budget in Mm. May. Now, so much of the conservative media anyway is utterly obsessed with 18C reform, and they wanted to get this off their plate so they can talk about anything else. But do you think Malcolm Turnbull is actually in favour of changing it at all? He came out pretty hard this week saying he supported the changes. So if you believe in his public comments, yes. But, of course, the person who just will not go away, Peter Credlin, was out in the media saying that Malcolm Turnbull under Tony Abbott was one of the people in the coalition party room that was always like, please... Stop this. Stop the 18C chat. We cannot do this. And uh, Tony Abbott actually was, you know, then said we're not going to touch 18C and Malcolm Turnbull apparently was a big factor. Well, Deputy Prime Minister Barnaby Joyce, who we had on the uh, our last episode, he said it wasn't an important issue and he, and he gave this kind of fascinating interview where he says, you know, no one comes up to me and says, hey, Barnaby, how about changing that 18C? And, you know, we've had other people um, coming out against it, Liberal politicians saying, mm. I, you know, Clay, Craig Laundy, for example, who has a very multicultural electorate, said, my electorate does not support this, I do not support these changes. Yeah, that's right. There's quite a few electorates that are Liberal moderates, the people in the party that aren't so ginned up by conservative media websites and who hold seats in, say, Western Sydney or inner city Melbourne who are freaking out and saying that an 18C debate is really going to hurt their chances 
of being elected. Now, those seats are Banks, Bennelong and Reid in Sydney. And in Melbourne, it's Deakin and Chisholm. These are seats that are like really, really ethnically diverse. They have big Chinese populations, big Lebanese populations. And they're liberal held, but they're not held by very much. And already, lobby group GetUp have said, we're going to be running huge billboard advertisements and doing robocalls with actually just photos and huge images of Malcolm Turnbull and Pauline Hanson together. And it's the last thing that these Liberal MPs want. There were comments made this week that the Turnbull government's only doing this to get back the One Nation supporters that they lost. And Senator James obvi- Patterson Yeah, said obviously that. there's this big fight that's going to be happening in the in Queensland in the next year in the lead up to their state election. So if you, know, if you put some images out there of, of Malcolm standing next to Pauline... Maybe that'll sway some voters. Yeah, and look, I think that one of the reasons why it gins up so many people as well is that if you're a person of colour, turning on the TV and seeing the fact that, you know, if you're going to spin it as you can now racially offend or insult people but you can't, you know, intimidate or harass... It really makes you anxious. And we saw on Twitter and online a huge movement started by comedian um, Ben Law with the hashtag freedom of speech. And if you read some of those tweets, um, people of colour and ethnic communities are not happy about these changes. If you're a barrister like Malcolm Turnbull used to be or if you're um, somebody who has a real hard rational thought about these issues, you can sort of understand um, why the law should be changed and why these changes are actually good. But if you're part of an ethnic community, it's just the worst. Yeah. And I think one of the bigger problems is that they're pushing a freedom of speech argument, but no one will answer the question, what can't you say currently that you really want to say? So what happens next, Mark? Well, at the moment, the 18C changes will pop up next week. The legislation is going straight into the Senate where they will be shot down by Nick Xenophon, who has already said that he's not going to go for the word changes, which is the first more contentious part of the proposals, but probably will go for the second part of the changes. The reason why the government is putting it into the Senate first, Labor's theory about this anyway, is that they're trying to protect those Liberal MPs in those ethnically diverse electorates in Sydney and Melbourne that they will not have to cross the floor or vote or look as though they're voting for these changes. So they're setting it up to fail in the Senate? Potentially. But potentially. Mark, why would they bother? Because Why are they bothering us with this if it's not going to happen? Democracy is a messy bitch. <laughs> a messy, messy bitch. And Mark, you know who else is against 18C changes? Who, Alice? Senator Jackie Lambie from Tasmania. Jack, Jack, Jackie. <laughs> what a great song. Um, you went down and, and had a long chat with her this week off the back of a really powerful speech she made in Parliament about her struggles living on welfare. We should actually take a listen to that. I can tell you, seven years on disability support pension, I sure as hell did not come out in front. This is what it is like. It is not a choice for many of us to be on welfare. It is shameful and it is embarrassing. For you to take more money off those people, you have no idea how bloody tough it is. Every little cent counts to those people. What you are doing is shameful. That's what it's like to be at the bottom of the crap pile through no fault of our own for many of us. And you've got an interesting theory about Jackie Lambie. I do. I think that she's Tasmania's Donald Trump, which a few people in the office have given me crap about. But (laughs) hear me out. She sort of combines this nationalism and populism. She is all about, you know, strong... So, you know, protecting of the education system, of the health system. She really is all about government intervention. But then on the other hand, she talks about um, 
a strong military and she talks about being um, really fearful of some of the people in the Muslim community. And I think that those combination is actually really speaking in middle Australia out there at the moment. Jackie Donald Trump. Um, and just a quick note, this interview was recorded on Thursday morning, only a few hours after the suspected terror attacks outside British Parliament. Um, and that's what we started off the interview asking her about. Here's Jackie Lambie. Senator Jackie Lambie, thank you so much for joining the podcast. Hey, you're very, very welcome. Um, Senator, it's obviously we start um, at a pretty tough morning. We're recording this on Thursday morning with uh, the London terror attack that's just gone on. What is your first initial reaction to what you've seen on the TV this morning? Uh, well, first of all, it's shock and horror and my heart really goes out to those family and friends. Um, you know, unfortunately, you, when you're walking around on the streets, um, you're just going to have to be a lot more cautious about your surroundings and what is going on. And um, it's just devastating why they continue to do this. I mean, um, it's like I keep telling people in Australia, you need to be more vigilant because it's not a matter of um, if, it'll be a matter of when. Uh, and we have that uh, Man Horonis attack that we had at the Link Cafe in Sydney. Um, and people can say, they, there's some people out there still denying it wasn't a terrorist attack, but let's be honest, it was a terrorist attack. So I think that we have been quite so lucky in this country that we haven't um, worn uh, an attack yet, but honestly, I believe that um, it will happen. Isn't one of the problems with the sort of lone wolf attack is that you can't do anything to stop it? Yeah, I think so. But I mean, you can look at, um, yeah, I've questioned ASIO in the past and they have um, over 180 on their, uh, their terrorist watch list and it's like, well, how exactly are you watching them? If if they're a concern, why don't you have bracelets on them? And we also know there's a lot of radicalisation now going on in our jail. So it is scary. Mm. It is very, very scary. Um, I'm just I'm, I'm not sure what the future's going to hold, but it is scary. Well, let's move on. The You hold a very powerful position in this parliament now because you're one of the key crossbenchers. They need your vote if um, they're going to pass legislation um, on quite a few of those bills. Can you tell me what it's like um, when you're quite sought after by by the Prime Minister's office? Are they good at talking to you and getting on the phone? I mean, I think you once said that Turnbull's office was way better than, say, Tony Abbott. That must have been very early on, mate, because I'll I'll redraw those words right now. Um, Have they been not so good recently? No, I guess it's because um, there was a smaller, um, I guess, last time in before the last election as I was part of Palmer United very early on. Yeah. Um, and then I was uh, – that balance of power was done on one or on a couple of people. So that, that was a, a, bit, a bit of difference. But um, I guess this time it depends where the, the, numbers, the numbers flow sort of thing. But um, – they are not – the trouble is with the Liberal Party, they are shocking networkers and communicators. That's their problem. Uh, they don't want to do it. What they want to do is do the bill and then they just want to slip it through. Well, you know what? I'd be more than happy to do that if those bills were really well written and, and thought about, but they are not. I have never met – so many lazy people like I have done with these parliamentarians and I think after having the discipline that I had in the armed forces and that if you don't do your work and you don't do it to a high standard, then they'll just get rid of you, no questions asked. So um, it's a very different world for me up here. Um, so, but are you 
do you have like a, a good channel of communication to the Prime Minister anyway? Like if you were to say text him or WhatsApp him, what's the way that you get in contact with Malcolm? Oh, do you know what? I do have – I'll be brutally honest. I do have their um, their numbers just like I have Bill Shorten's number um, and I do have the Minister's numbers and thing, but I don't – I'm very careful about just texting. You know, I, I'm not real keen on that. I'd rather meet them in person. But I think, you know, it's your bill. If you want to come and talk talk to me about it and you want to sell it to me, then please give me a ring. I'm happy to, out of respect, go to their offices. They are the ministers. There's not a problem there. But I shouldn't be chasing them and I shouldn't have to go out there um, and say this bill's okay and try and sell their bill when they can't sell it themselves, honestly. They couldn't sell a marketplace, a lot of them. <laughs> One of the... Big issues this sitting week has been 18C. You're against it? Yes, I am against Why is 18C. That? Because I believe that 18, 18D actually um, evens it out. So, and like I keep saying, the only reason you're going, the only way you're going to lose a, cl- a, a, a case on 18C is if you've got a crap lawyer. So, but I can tell you now this morning um, is what I know is there is that bill is, they, they are doing that bill. There is four parts to it. Um, I think that um, I've asked them to split the 18C away from the rest of it and I believe that the other crossbenchers have done the same um, because they're not going to get the whole bill in as one. So I guess we just see what happens um, today and Monday. Why do you think that uh, Turnbull is pushing this rewording? I mean, it's clear that the other parts of the law are actually supported broadly by the crossbench. But it's the rewording where yourself and the Xenophon team have said, nah, it's not happening. Why is he making the, this rewording a big issue? Do you know what? I don't know because nobody in Tasmania gives us stuff. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> they, they, they care about health. Um, you know, they care about our education. They, they care that we've got a 50% illiteracy rate down there. Um, you know, we have a lot of issues down there. They're more interested in dropping our electricity prices. So why they are fighting over a couple of words, I just sit back and I think, shameful. I really do. I just think this is this is really embarrassing as a politician to be sitting here and fighting over a couple of words. Um, leave it alone, move on. But obviously, nope, they're still going to go after it and I guess we're going to waste half of Monday doing this instead of worrying about the best economic benefits for the country. What about the crossbenchers? There's quite a few of you. Uh, you're all very different. I think that's one thing in many ways that a lot of Australians think, whoa, you know, like there's Jackie Lambie and then there's David Lionel and then there's Corey Bernardi. Who do you like on the crossbench? Who's the best? Who's the I, best of the bunch? I'm very, very fond of Nick. I like – You I, like, I like Xenophon? Yeah, I like Xenophon and obviously I like Xenophon's team. I've known them since I've known Nick. So um, I'm very, very lucky to have the relationship that I do and there's a lot of trust between myself and Nick and, of course, Sky. Um, and Sterling. So I'm really, really grateful that I have that and I can lean back on Nick. Um, you know, he got a bit of a flogging last night, but he did deserve it for taking off the poor. <laughs> right, but I don't do that very often, but sometimes where I think, you know, even Nick Xenophon, as much as we mate, sometimes needs a bit of a clip around the ear. What and about Pauline? What about the One Nation band of interesting senators that she's got there? I'm, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of One Nation because they actually haven't produced anything. All they've done is run around the country trying to get candidates and, you know, if they could actually apply themselves to what's going in the parliament and actually read their legislation and bills properly, um, that would really help. But what I find more disturbing than anything is when you come out here and you tell people you're going to 
battle it out for the underdog and those that are less less fortunate and you're actually not doing that at all, that's just deceitful. It is absolutely deceitful. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see the decline in One Nation, I reckon, over the next six months. So Do you reckon it's not going to last, the sort of Pauline momentum that's sort of been going on for the last six months to a year? Yeah, it's. I think it's plateaued. It's a little bit like Pup. It's like getting a new... Tonka truck, and sooner or later it starts to rust and fall apart, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that um, majority of the time I vote with Labor because our social conscience, conscience is very close. I'm for the working class family out there, and I'm also for the poor, and they, they're like me, they wear that on their sleeves. But in saying that, I just want to make it very clear I, when it comes to the Greens, I pay credit where credit is due, and I can tell you now when it comes to their social conscience, um, they look. They really do care about the the poor. I may not agree with it about their refugees, and I may not um, agree about their environmental policies. But I'll be very honest with you, though they do have very big open hearts. So I just want to make sure that's quite clear. But um, look, I think we've seen a Labor Green government, um, both federally and state of Tasmania, over the past um, seven or eight years, and that has not gone down too well for the country, or certainly hasn't did not do Tasmania. I've seen forestry being run out of their jobs and suicides happening in my northwest coast. Um, you know, just because they want this clean, green image and that forestry was actually um, doing the right thing, trying to get their certification and they were running them into the ground. When people are doing the right thing, then leave them alone and if they're not quite doing the, doing the right thing, then have an inquiry or whatever and fix it. But don't go and bag it out. Give them a chance to um, fix their mistakes before you actually destroy something. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah, I have to be honest. I mean, I have a really good relationship with Bill Shorten. I've always been brutally honest about that. But, you know, before Malcolm became Prime Minister, I used to go and see him very regularly too and we had a really great relationship. That's not going too well at the moment. So I guess when they they get the leadership, it's whether or not um, we're still going to have that same relationship we had before they become leader or whether that's going to be running to the ground. And, and that seems to have what's happened between myself and the PM. Yeah. Um, welfare last night, you gave mm. a pretty – it was a barnstorming speech really because you – spoke from the heart what made you do that what, what what was it that brought that all on well i was hoping that i might have been able to um nick xenophon's very aware of my past um and i think he needed to see from deep inside of me why i do not want cuts and they are cuts a freeze is a cut we don't freeze milk and bread um, so it, to me, it is a cut, and I was hoping by reaching out, it may just may have just been enough if I could drop my guard, and tell it um, from the bottom of my heart that they may, that may have been enough for Nick to just say, you know what, maybe we've got this wrong. But um, do you think there's a, not enough people in this place in Parliament House who have a, a background like yours, who have lived through some adversity, and that's probably a bad thing for? Our democracy. Yeah, I think what I was. Yeah, I think what I was picking up last night as we worked out when I was I was talking to um, some of the the Labor women. They were saying there was about two in Labor in the Senate that had had similar stories to mine. Um, and so when you think about it, there's three or four of us out of 76 that have actually had so much diversity in our lives, from having a great life to hitting rock bottom. Um, to, you know, being like me, addicted to pharmaceuticals, um, going through what I did, trying to put bread and milk on the table. And, yes, there is not enough people. Um, 
somehow through whether it be through the gift of God or whatever, I've so I've been able to come out of that, get back on my feet, and get in here. Now I'm still trying to work out how all that happened, but I've been very very lucky, and I, I just I don't think there's that many people that are going to be given that opportunity, which is really really unfortunate. It was really difficult for me to transition to come from that and still be fighting my own psychological demons and my own physical injuries, which I'm still carrying today, and do the workload that I was doing. But I have been able to work with a lot of... um, I've got a great psychiatrist and I've got a great psychologist. I've had them for many, many years. um, And that's why I keep saying to people, there is nothing wrong with going to a psychiatrist and psychologist. Trust me, it works. Mind (laughs) you, some people, they say, Jackie Lambie, I'm not sure that's probably working for you at all. (laughs) But anyway, um, you know, so um, I think that's been a help. I I mean, I've been told via my colleague, Alice, that you actually get quite a few injections in your back. Is that right? Can you tell us what actually happens um, on a regular basis for you even just to be here? Okay, so for me to stay off pharmaceuticals because they um, they sent me around the bend after about nine, nine and a half years, that, that really stuffed my head to be honest. You just, like I fried just your couldn't, brain. Well, I wouldn't say it fried my brain. It's just that when you're taking um, pharmaceuticals that are actually uh, for schizophrenia and other things, sooner or later it's going to do something to the balance in your head. What, whatever, you know, It's helping the pain. But it's actually it's it's sending you nuts at the and same time. And this was time. A, a back injury. Was yeah, that this right was a from back your injury. military days? Yes, yeah, so I didn't just over ten years in the army, and then I had to fight a bureaucratic system, and then they finally started. Um, it took eight years, so I had eight years without treatment, which made the situation worse. Um, and during that eight years, they were doing everything they could to put pain medication down my throat because there was nothing else I had. Um, so now I'm very lucky. I have shots in my back, very toxic shots, probably every nine months. Um, they go and knock me out and they put a heap of shots up and down my spine. They're like um, big needles, yeah? Yeah, big needles. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I don't mind the um, anaesthetic they put me out on, mate. That's <laughs> great. I'm good to go with that. That's that's a good part. So of once every space. nine months, Jackie Lambie Senator has to be put under to get a whole bunch of needles in your back. Yeah, yeah. On average, every nine months. So winter's the worst because I've got nerve pain, so the cold really upsets it. But the other thing I have to do in between to stay off the pharmaceuticals is every twelve weeks. Um, on top of that, I have a, a heap of Botox. Um, needles through my back too, so it's got no wrinkles on it, mate. It's, it's <laughs> good nice to go. Smooth back. Looks, yeah, it looks like it's about <laughs> it's two all, years it's old. It's all good to go. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but that's really good. That's like a lunchtime thing. You can go over to the doctors. Get some Botox he takes in the about, back. Yeah, because what it does is it hits the nerve pain, so it deadens right. it. You see. Yeah, that's why your wrinkles don't move because it deadens all, all that. So um, that that works very, very well as very well for me as well. The thing is, I've now been doing that for about six years. Um, and it does sit at the back of my conscience because they're putting the needles in the same spots all the time. And I know the last lot of shots I had three weeks ago, it took me about 10 days to recover and it doesn't usually take me that long. And I think continually putting those shots in the same spot, that's going to have repercussions as well. But if I sit here and worry about that, it'll drive me nuts. So I'll just worry about that when and if that happens. As long as I can stay off those pharmaceuticals because they're they're not good for me and they Mm. have other repercussions as well. You'll hear a bit more of what Jackie Lambie had to say in a minute, but now it's time for Gallery Whispers. Gallery Whispers. Where we talk about rumours and gossip and speculation. During this week's Immigration and Migration Awards, the AFB Commissioner Andrew Colvin was spotted playing games on his iPhone while everyone else was paying attention to what they were supposed to be paying attention to. Gallery Whispers. Gallery Whispers. Mark, did you know 
there's a fight happening at the moment between the male politicians who play basketball yeah. and the female politicians who play netball. That's outrageous. It's over who gets to use the basketball courts when. <gasps> and the men use it on Tuesday mornings and the women want to swap days with them because they've got early meetings. But the men don't want to. Classic parliamentary privilege. Gallery whispers. Gallery whispers. A certain state premier in Australia has a really, really unfortunate nickname that everyone calls him behind his back. And it's the lesbian starter kit. The what? The lesbian starter kit. Because apparently he's dated two women who turned out to be gay. Gallery whispers. <laughs> hey, Mark. Yeah. There's heaps of staffers in the building who aren't happy this week. Why? Because the Prime Minister's office have been spotted leaving the building at 4.30. 4.30? On Thursdays at the end of sitting weeks. That's early. 4.30. And the house doesn't rise until 5. Gallery whispers. And everyone's upset because they think... We have to stay here till eight. How come they get to leave? Snarky whispers. Snarky gallery whispers. Alice, I was at the Bill League Memorial last week in Sydney and two senators from interstate were there. Malcolm Roberts from Queensland and Darren Hinch from Victoria. And I would love to find out or know whether they were charging the taxpayer to attend the memorial. Gallery whispers. You check their entitlements, gallery whispers. It's going to take too long to check. So if anyone knows, please get in contact. Speaking of flights, someone spotted Pauline Hansen flying in business class. Oh my God. When Malcolm Roberts has said that One Nation senators and staff only ever fly economies. <laughs> Well, that was just as broken as last week. <laughs> so if you have any gossip, uh, please slide into our DMs or message us on Facebook. Or um, if you ask me, I'll give you Mark's mobile numbers. <laughs> That's true. I'll give you my mobile number. <laughs> I love talking on the phone. Okay, back to Jackie Lambie. I like the woman. I like the woman. When people uh, talk to me about you, friends of mine, they'll say, Mark, Jackie, she's great, straight talker, standing up to the BS in Parliament House. But, there's always a but, um, it's things around Islam that gets people... um, You are pretty outspoken when it comes to things like a ban on the burqa. Where is that coming from? I've never come out and said I don't like Muslims. I've made that very quite clear. My problem is with terrorism, okay? Most in any society, most most Muslims in this country are putting in, um, you know, they're, they're trying to integrate it within society and they're doing the right thing. It's no different to saying, yep, there's a small small part of people in our public housing sector who are making ice and doing drugs out in the backyard make everybody else look bad. So I want to be really, really careful about that because that brings unrest on our street. Now AFP and our police officers out there, 
They're already having enough, a tough enough job just doing their basic day duties out there. They don't need all the protesting and they don't need the rallying, which brings me on to the face coverings. Mm, this is like okay? a big issue for you. Yeah, okay. So it's a right-wing nutters out there when we've got all those rallies out there, they've got their faces covered, and I say, you know what, let's see your face, don't be a coward. Mm. So people can bring it back and there's journalists out there that are very left-wing saying, you know, this is all about Islam and all about their face coverings. Well, that's absolute rubbish. This is anyone with a face covering. Okay, you can't walk around in a motorbike helmet. I mean, you can't. You don't so walk the, so around. So the law that you're sort of – the legislation that you're suggesting is it's it wouldn't just apply to women wearing burqas. It would be also – Far right wing people in the streets wrapping their heads in the Australian flag. Mate, yes, that's right. Mate, I think there's not only about someone said there's only about two hundred people that wear a full burqa in Australia, and I don't see them in Tasmania. This has got to do with safety on our seat, on our streets. You know, so, so you I don't, don't like want that whole burqa ban. You don't like the burqa ban characterization of what you're trying to do. What I don't like is coming from my background in army and national security is someone covering their face because I cannot, I, I can't see what they're up to, and it's a lack of trust. And with what's going on. With terrorism around the world now, I think everybody needs to be very open about this and I need to see their faces. But, yeah, absolutely, at these at these rallies, you want to go out there and basically make an arse of yourself and push our police officers and that around, then I want to see your face. Let's see your face um, stop being a coward. And do you know what? I think if I could see their face, those police officers' lives would not be under risk. They would not be being pushed around and this would be a deterrent. You obviously have a very uh, long history within military and law enforcement. Do you think that some of the debate around um, Islam in this country has gotten to a stage where it's actually making their lives harder? But you know what? The Muslim com- community, and I'll be very blunt about this, probably needs to try and integrate more into our society and stop pushing us away because that's exactly what they do. It's very, very divided. But do you understand like there's a there's like a Yeah, no, but they're not helping. You know there, what? Right? Both sides are as bad as each other. Yeah. So I don't want them playing victim because this is rubbish. They've got to help meet, us in, meet in the middle. They've got to be able to do that and they're not doing that. Those Muslim leaders, when you're out there and you're saying it's okay to beat your wife, yeah. okay, and you're not out there and you're not going – when there's a terrorist attack and you're not out there going and building those terrorists, then that's not helping the situation either. So everybody has weaknesses in this fight and um, then, you know, that, so there's, there's a problem there as well and they need to come out stronger and they need to try and integrate more. They need to try and be more Australian. You know what, we love our freedom and we love our way of life and we've had many migrants. Um, we have a great multi- multicultural um, uh, nation and I think we're probably one of the best in the world. But you know what, and like I said, we've had the Greeks and the Chinese and they come and build the hydro, snowy hydro, um, you know, and we've had it, – it's been really great they were able to integrate. So you have to ask why are the Muslims all sticking to themselves and why aren't they integrating with the rest of society? And I think this is what scares people. This but is what's a, do you, a away. There's a mutual fear there. Like yeah, one of the reasons they are mm. one of the reasons the Muslim community are banding around each other is they feel attacked by the media and by elected representatives. No, because you know what? They were still like this even before all this has started to heat up. They they've been like this for years since they've been coming here, and that's building. And that's the honest truth of it, mate. And that's really unfortunate. But they also need to change their ways and stop playing the victim and come out and start integrating more. And, you know, coming out and, and mixing with Australians and doing all that sort of stuff. Don't, don't put yourselves in a corner because you're only making your situation worse. I don't like it. The podcast is called Is It On? Because there's a meme on the internet about Australian politics that it's always on. You know, leaders are always 
about to be rolled by their party, at least for the last six years anyway. The, the question we ask every guest is, is it on? Oh, it's on. Oh, yes, it's on. The bullshit is on. I can tell you that much right now. Thank you so much, Jackie. You're very really welcome. I like the woman. I like the woman. So, Mark, what was your impression of Jackie Lambie? I think that more insightfully, uh, our producer, Nick Ray, was here in Parliament recording that interview. And he said the thing that he took away from it is that Jackie Lambie speaks like a normal person. And it's kind of like being at a barbecue in your backyard um, and your mum's just having a chat about politics. And I think that that approach to politics is really what gets people interested. Well, because, you know, the last time I went down there, she brought out a tray of sakatas. 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 This is, yeah. (laughs) Rice crackers. Rice crackers. And um, cubes of cheese. I'm so interested to know whether it's sakatas or cicatas. <laughs> if cicatas. Is it cicatas? No. Someone's please tweet us. I think it's like they had the ad that went sakata. I still think Nick's it's saying sakata. I'm right, so I think I'm right. Or cicatas. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> like like cigar. No, anyway. <laughs> anyway, now it's time to pick some stories out of the bin, wipe off the juice in our second or maybe even third favourite segment. Bin juice. I think it's still everyone's um, favourite. We've only got two, so really it's got to be. Yeah, it's yeah. first or second. <laughs> um, and let's let's chat about a couple of stories that we thought didn't get enough attention this week. Mark, what are you? Uh, what have you got for bin juice? The thing I want to talk about this week is the fact that the government smashed apart its omnibus bill. The mega that, big bill. The mega big bill that all of the social uh, welfare changes were wrapped up in one earlier this year in an attempt to just ram it through the parliament. They've realised they actually want to pass some of those changes before the budget in May. So they've sliced it open, taken mm-hmm. out the bits that they will pass, which are childcare changes and some of the family tax benefit changes that Jackie Lambie was talking about. One of the things that hasn't made it is the very controversial four-week wait for the doll for under-25s. It is potentially one of the most toxic things that the government has uh, introduced, mm-hmm. this uh, this coalition government has introduced, and it's thrown back onto the scrap heap. The social but, services but is it minister- gone, though? No, well, the social services minister, Christian Porter, has expressly said it's not gone forever, but the fact is that they've tried so many times to revive this bill. They've, they've tried so many times to revive, change, bring it back to something that is a bit more manageable, but the crossbenchers will not go for it. I would say, predict, that potentially it's gone. It is gone, skis. Not come back. Oh, yeah, interesting. Alice, what's your bin <laughs> juice this week? My bin juice this week uh, is a story that ran in the Daily Telegraph by Kyla Lusikian, and it was about social services minister... Christian Porter. The way you say Christian Porter makes it sound like (laughs) what I'm about to hear, I don't want to hear. Well, Kyla tracked down uh, 28-year-old Christian Porter's entry into the Clio Bachelor of the Year Awards that included a stick figure drawing Mm. of himself with a very large censored box over his genitals, implying that he has a rather large Do we really need the social services minister, the guy who's in charge of the welfare stuff in this country? Do we even need to imagine what's going on down there? I don't want to imagine. But the most extraordinary thing is apparently he was, um, uh, his work made him do it. He was a lawyer and he, they made him enter. So he went to the pub and got drunk with his friends and Mark, 
someone has sent me the Q&A which he filled out. Oh, shit. Would you like to hear the questions and answers? I, I don't know if I do, but I reckon you need to read it out anyway. Question. How would your last girlfriend describe you? Answer. In broken English. She's Swedish. <laughs> Question, what mystifies you about women? Answer, why, when you ask a girl what's wrong and she says nothing and you say, okay, you're somehow being unreasonable. Mm, right out, Christian Porter. Question, what's the most irresistible part of a woman's body? Answer, good teeth. That's creepy. Question, which female celebrity reflects the qualities you want in a partner? Answer, Joan of Arc, a beautiful, intelligent, liberated feminist. Well... That's that's an interesting answer. It is. Question, what should a woman never wear? Answer, oh tracksuit pants. Oh, righto, Christian Porter. Question, what song would, would you serenade the object of your affection with? Answer, Queen's Another One Bites the Dust. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. Question, has a woman ever shocked you in bed? Answer, a couple of stayed after I took my gear off. Mate, if your penis is as large as you think it is, <laughs> only a couple of stayed? Good Christian Porter. <laughs> Stop talking about what's going on downstairs. (laughs) So someone reminded me this week that um, when he first became a minister in 2015, he gave a press conference and this is what he said. He said, thanks everyone for coming. I will confess to you I have never physically stepped into this room before in Parliament House. It's my first time here. I'm sure you will be very gentle with me and I do bring a very large package. Okay. And I think it's a very important package. Shut Package, Mark. Down. Well, you know who likes uh, a rather large member between the thighs? <sighs> Jackie Lambie. <laughs> Alice, I think we've come to the end of the podcast. <laughs> okay, all right. That's about it for this week. Thank you to our producer, Nicholas Ray. Nicholas who, Ray. Who, interestingly, also was a finalist in the Clear Bachelor of the Year. So Please Google him, Nick Ray. Nick Ray. There's a beautiful shot of him walking out of the ocean. No, oh, no, it's, no, it's it themed. It was themed Magic Mike, so they all have to wear white T-shirts <laughs> and get sprayed with water. <laughs> He's giving us the wrap-up single, but I think that we really should keep talking about him. It makes him uncomfortable. Producer um, Nick, former Cleo Bachelor of the Year finalist. He was a finalist. You're a finalist, top fifty. That's pretty good. Who won the year you did it? I don't even know. You don't even know. <laughs> Nick doesn't even the know. Wrong who person. Won. Probably no one could. Um, all right. Well, thank you, Nick, uh, for. Helping us out this week. Uh, Nicola Harvey, Marnie Cordell, our editors, and the whole pod team. We want you guys to get involved and tell us what you think we should be talking about. So please uh, get in touch with us on Twitter. My Twitter is at Workman Alice. Mark's is at Mark DeStiff. Go to buzzfeed.com slash is it on, or you can subscribe on iTunes or any of your favorite podcasting apps. And please leave ratings and reviews. I love reading the reviews. The reviews They're are very the funny. The reviews are amazing. They're really funny, except for one that producer Nick wrote under the pseudonym Michael Bay Fan 69, which was. Nice. Call, call me like the bad girl of the press gallery. Oh, you are the bad girl of the press gallery, though. No. <laughs> okay. No, I'm not. Um, when is the next episode coming out, Mark? Next week. Oh my God. Wow. Sitting That's week. Soon. Sitting week next week, which means we have another podcast back to back. And, and you won't very... believe the guest. Well. Excellent hair. That's just the only clue we're getting. <laughs> Excellent hair. Um, hey, Mark. Yes. Is it on? Look, I'm willing to say it's not. It's but Jackie not. Lambie thinks it is. Yeah, but in the same way that Maybe it's, it's on, on in her party. <laughs> the party of <laughs> the one. The JLN. <laughs> the Jackie Lambie network. There's going to be a JLN spill. Woo! You heard Jack, it here first. Jack spill. Jack, Jack, Jackie. Lambsville. All right, guys, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Bye. Bye.